This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to iFanboy's Talk Explode with Jim McCann, writer of the upcoming Hawkeye and Mockingbird number one. Last night I said to her I didn't want to live inside a lie If she wants him more than she wants me Let this be She'll come This is Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Jim McCann. Hey, Jim. 
Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm very well. We are here to talk. Let's just get it out of the way in the op- uh, in the beginning. Okay. Uh, we're here to talk about your new series. What's the title Ooh. of that series? The title of that series is Hawkeye and Mockingbird. Oh, big big applause! Yay! Thank you. I'm patting myself on the back at the moment. This isn't Kate now. This isn't some big foolish, you know, trick. No, it is not. It's not Kate. It's not uh, Bucky. It's not Steve. This is Clint Barton, back in purple, bow and arrow, with Mockingbird, uh, and we are going full force. That is excellent news. Well, tell me. Tell it's an ongoing series. Yes, it is. Well, My t- first. T- tell me about it. I am terrified. <laughs> Not to tell you about it, but just I am terrified. Uh, no, I, I, so I'm very, very excited. Um, New Adventure the Reunion did really, really well. So thank you to everybody who bought it, and thank you to you guys at iFanboy because you guys really got behind it. Um, and uh, so we were scheduled to do a follow-up mini, and I had a four-issue story arc in mind that you know would have fit in around October or so. But then... Brian was going to have Hawkeye be a major instigator in the road of Dark Reign going into Siege, which he did when he went to go and try and kill Norman and all that. Uh, So we were told we were going to need to push that back just a hair. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And then I will not forget it. uh, I was at San Diego and I got an email from Tom Brevoort as I was about to go to a panel that said a couple of changes um, one, this will now launch in June uh, of next year. And two, it's now ongoing. Nice. Tom B. <laughs> like, that was it. <laughs> and I was like, that's how I found out that I have an ongoing. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I get a second email that says, don't go spilling that news or acting too excited or uh, it won't happen. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad. Uh, but I, I was, it was very difficult to contain myself, especially because reunion had just wrapped up and then I had to completely rethink, you know, what is this going to be? What is this, what is this title? Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately I had a lot of time, uh, to work with that. Uh, David Lopez and I, you know, David, David's been my partner in this since the reunion, but we've had a lot of time to talk about it, talk about developing new characters reimagining old characters and then also updating some characters and really where are people today Um, building cool uh, uh, building an awesome headquarters I'm a huge fan of like in the handbooks and then also in like the old G.I. Joe comics when they would do like the bisect of the pit and everything so I specifically sent him an email saying could you please do a little blueprint thing of the uh of their headquarters. I really need it to write this next scene mm-hmm. when I just really kind of wanted to see it because it reminded me of GI Joe. This, Oh yeah. We had a long time to figure out what the story was um, and how to make it a successful ongoing. And fortunately, uh, Brian Bendis has done an awesome job of setting us up. Uh, the stuff that happened throughout dark rain um, and then into siege. And as this will be coming out while siege is still coming out or as this podcast will be hitting, Talk explode, sorry, will uh, hit while Siege is still coming out. I can't give too much away about that, but he sets us up very, very well, both in the pages of Siege, but also in the last two issues of New Avengers, 63 and 64. So, 
how long have you known then that that sort of Hawkeye was on his way back, or uh, Clint as him? I mean, that's that's been in the plans for a while. It has, yes. Um, it's um, it's always been that he would take this journey, um, and it made sense that he would don the Hawkeye costume back not only after Steve comes back, um, but also after everything that Bullseye did in his name and in his costume. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't just let that go. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then to say, you know, after Steve comes back, people were like, oh my God, can you not get over that? But it's not. It was, it was kind of a combination of he came back after House of M to a world that he honestly did not recognize. Um, and the one person that he could always kind of count on, well, the two people, one would be Mockingbird and she was off in a scroll world, but he thought she was dead. And the other was Steve who was dead, but trapped in time. Um, so he has, you know, relationship issues with needing people at the right place at the right time. Uh, but that's why he donned the Ronin costume Mm -hmm. in my mind. And so he needed to go on this, on this journey as Ronin, um, develop uh develop new skills new ways of coping with it i think that's also why um he kept the mask on for so long and then if you noticed a lot of times like starting from the reunion on he did not have his mask on and then he went out in public Mm -hmm. and put himself on tv and said i'm clint barton uh and so he he was getting closer and closer to who is Clint Barton? And he's done this before when he uh, became uh, when he became uh, a giant man, Goliath. Goliath. I forget. Those, I get it. very mixed up with <laughs> giant, giant Goliath, uh, yellow. No, uh, no, he did this before when he became Goliath, um, and he has. I mean, he's had identity crises before. This was probably the biggest one. I mean, he died. He came back. He wasn't really sure how any of that happened and everything he knew was gone and different. So he's on this journey. He's now made it. And that's where we pick up with him. And I'm really, really excited to be able to do that because we wanted to take him on a character arc. So for all the people that were saying, you know, that's not Hawkeye, that's not Clint Barton. It really kind of was Clint Barton all along. It may not have been Hawkeye Mm -hmm. and you may not have liked Ronan, but honestly to me at his core, there was Clint Barton and he was pushed further than he ever, ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He went to go try and kill Norman Osborn. And people may say that that's not Clint either, but you have to look at the situations that people are put into and figure out how far they would go. It's interesting. I was thinking about it. a lot of fans tend to ascribe, like I, I was talking about this on our other show, but a lot of fans tend to ascribe the values of like one character. Like they'll say, like they see that, that Batman doesn't kill and doesn't carry a gun. And so all of a sudden they give that rule to everybody else. And they yeah. say, well, he wouldn't do that. And it's like, well, no, that's, that's never really been confirmed. It's just something that you came up with in your head. Well, I mean, in regards to Clint, it's, um, he did have the really hard and fast rule of Avengers don't kill when he and Mockingbird first got together. But that's because she was coming out of a spy background where she did whatever was necessary. Um, and that was at that time. He, uh, if people remember, he had his own um, crisis of conscience uh, with, um, with Trickshot 
when Trickshot's hanging on a cliff in the solo, I believe it was Solo Avengers, it was kind of an echo of what happened with Bobby and Phantom Rider, which was the argument that led them to break up and him lead on his tirade about Avengers don't kill. And he actually said, I can understand when you're pushed that far, how it can cross your mind. And that was done 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So when somebody slaps a assassin in your costume and has taken over the Avengers and tarnished everything that you know, I think even Clint Barton would be pushed to the place where he says, I want to freaking kill him. Mm-hmm. And, but then, and yeah, he tried, he tried as much as he could, but deep down, I kind of think that he knew that he wasn't going to fully succeed. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that he would take that kill shot. I think he wanted to kick, I think he wanted to kill him in as much as, we say, I want to kill that guy who cut us off in traffic, mm-hmm. but maybe a little bit stronger. Now, I mean, you've, it's clear there's a, there's a lot going on for Clint Barton now. So at the same, but the title is, is Hawkeye and Mockingbird. Now, now you set up a lot with her in the reunion, and she's sort of been in the Avengers books, kind of in the background, but hasn't really had a ton going on. So uh, where do you see her that she can sort of stand counterpoint to him right now? Well, she uh, when we pick up with her, I mean, she's she had a, that great moment in, I think it was in November 54, uh, where she was taking on the Wrecking Crew, and I freaking loved that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, she's she's kind of been um, the new eyes and ears, uh, the, the entry point to the new Avengers for the past year, year and a half, mm-hmm. you know, because she's still trying to figure out, just like when Clint came back, even more so, Bobby's come back to a world that she doesn't recognize yeah. and it completely moved on without her. And so she has nothing that nothing was recognizable. The Avengers weren't recognizable. Hawkeye or Clint was in a different costume, everything. So she's been kind of trying to deal with that and process it. And uh, now she's got the WCA, which we set up in the um, new Avengers, the reunion, which is the world counterterrorism agency. And happens to have familiar acronym, um, but uh, she—that's uh, comprised of other Shield agents that were captured and held captive by the Skrulls. That when they came back, they didn't go over to Hammer. They didn't join Nick Fury's underground team. They, it's a, a small niche group that came together, and you'll see how they came together and why uh, as the series progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bobby is. Definitely uh, the co-lead on this. And this isn't like um, a book where, oh, well, is it going to be all wine and roses? It's um, it's a book about how each of them are handling the roles that they're in, um, especially the roles of being a hero and what it is to save other people and what it is to save yourself. Um, Bobby goes through something in Siege that uh, shakes her really, really, really hardcore. Um, and then right from the first issue uh, of our series, so it changes. A lot changes for her. Um, and uh, her actions and Clint's actions uh, have very, very strong reactions and consequences, um, which I really love playing with. You know, I, I, I like... Having somebody do something for the best of intentions and then making them realize, oh, crap, 
I should not have done that. Uh, so Bobby's got, Bobby's finding her place in the world. Uh, she has left the Avengers by this point. Uh, she's no longer an active member. Um, so she is concentrating on the WCA, on taking down uh, terror threats across the globe. Uh, a lot of times it's going to be big, super-powered um, threats. Uh, I don't want to give away... I almost gave away a couple of names for future arcs. Um, we established in the reunion also that she's got a past with AIM and uh, Monica Rappuccini, that there's some friction there, so hopefully we'll get to revisit that. Um, so we're going to see some high-action espionage, uh, superhero fighting, and usually it is led by Hawkeye and Mockingbird. Or not usually, it is. Otherwise it wouldn't, it would just be called usually Hawkeye and Mockingbird. Which is a bad title. It's a really bad title. Well, one of one of the things that people ask me a lot because they're like, "Oh, you like Hawkeye? What are what are some really good stories or things like that?" And I, I I actually have a hard time answering those questions because I I sort of started liking the character and read all that stuff twenty years ago when yeah. I was reading like West Coast Avengers, and I was like, you know, there haven't really been you know like the seminal Hawkeye or Mockingbird stories really since then. I mean, that West Coast Avengers that was pretty much their book, and that was fine. But I'm curious. What if there were any stories or anything like that, that that made an impact on you, or if this is if there's a lot of stuff that you sort of went back and read, you know, in preparation for this? Um, honestly, I have read as much as I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. Um, I there was the Avengers Hawkeye hardcover that we put out um, that's available, and it has um, it's got the Hawkeye miniseries, uh, which was awesome, um, and it has. The uh, let's see the Tales of Suspense fifty seven his first appearance, um, Avengers one eighty nine is in there also and a lot of people point to that as a fantastic Hawkeye story. Um, that is and it really really is it's a done in one. Uh, John Byrne drew it and it is fantastic. It's uh, the Falcon has taken uh, the the government limited them to seven members. Uh, and the Falcon has taken Hawkeye's place. Hawkeye's down his luck, looking for money, needing money. And uh, just like he did to get into the Avengers, he breaks in to cross-technology enterprises uh, because he sees that they need a security guard. So what better way to prove that they need him as a security guard? By breaking in. Uh, then he goes on to fight Deathbird. And that's where it gets a little weird, but it's still cool. Um, but you just get such a great sense of the character in though in those issues there is you know those those lead figures that the UK puts out you can get them at like midtown and different comic shops and they come with a magazine that's dedicated to that character they did one for hawkeye and it was awesome because it had it had retrospectives from so many people who have worked on that character that i i actually really read that a whole lot um, but no, yeah, I, I went back and reread ev- uh, as many appearances of both characters as possible. Um, solo Avengers and Avengers Spotlight stuff, West Coast Avengers. Um, I went and re- uh, reread a lot of the classic Avengers, like when he quit uh, and uh, the Avengers the first time, and you know took on Goliath. 
when he came back, you know, what made him do all of these, what made him make these decisions in his life. I also, um, I loved his stuff in Thunderbolts. I was going to say, that's really the one that I, I point to most recently, you know, as that was one of the things that I, when I was first coming back to reading comics, those were, those were really fun stories. And I thought that such a cool fit for him. It was, it was kind of perfect. The reformed, misunderstood villain trying to lead a band of villains is just awesome. And then uh, Mark Bagley drawing him. I mean, David, I love David Lopez. I also love – I love his Hawkeye. When you see it, it's amazing. And it's, it is now right up there with my other two favorite people who have drawn Hawkeye, which are George Perez and Mark Bagley. Like I would – if – if they could do a jam cover, make that happen, please. I don't know if I have that power, but I'll do what I can. Okay, thanks. Get on it. <laughs> um, so, when did when did your your when did your affinity form for the for the for these characters? I mean, what what was it you were reading when you were like, oh, these are they're really like, uh, you know, see, that's what? what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what what books were you reading when when they really sort of when you it clicked for you and you're like, oh, I really like these characters. I actually got a chance to pick up the Hawkeye miniseries that introduced Mockingbird um, right after it hit the shelves, like right before West Coast Avengers started and right after it had ended, uh, the miniseries had ended. So to me, it was always Clint and Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always been my favorite couple. Uh, they fit so well and so terribly together. <laughs> That I love it. Um, it really is like looking into a mirror and being able to see every flaw. It's it's like looking into those freaky makeup mirrors that girls have mm-hmm. that shows every pore. Um, yeah. Airplane mirrors. Yeah, pretty much. I it's, love airplane mirrors. Yeah, uh, scares me. <laughs> um, because you can see every flaw that's in yourself. But at the same time, you can see how to make yourself better. Um, if they just look at each other the right way. And that's what I really got out of that, out of that mini. And then also out of the West coast Avengers, uh, their appearances in that, I thought that they were the only, not the only, I'm sorry. I thought they were the best realistic couple in the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. Um, because they weren't, uh, they had, uh, eloped and rushed into everything. They dealt with some serious freaking issues. I mean, they had to deal with rape, divorce, separation, trust, everything. And just – it was mind-blowing to me to be reading this in a comic book. Um, I just I, – I really, really thought, you know, these are characters that are real, which is why I love Marvel so much is because so many of the characters are so flawed and have, you know, honest – problems and these two are very flawed and have problems and i fell in love with them do you find that that uh when you're writing them uh they they kind of end up speaking for themselves oh absolutely yeah. um it's a 100 i i grew up dreaming to write these characters um actually you'll see in the first issue uh something that a friend of mine that uh, he and I grew up, uh, we found we found Hawkeye and Mockingbird at the same time. We collected comics together. Um, I drew something and sent it to him, and he found it uh, 20 years later and sent it back to me 
that said, oh my God, and it's a drawing I did of Hawkeye. Um, and I thought, did you just yawn laugh, by the way? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> Glad I'm engaging you. <laughs> and, again, it has nothing to do with you. I know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I've dreamt of this for 20 plus years. So No pressure. No pressure at all. <laughs> I haven't put any on myself either. No, but um, I, 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 yeah, it's it, they they definitely have their own unique voices, which I love. It makes writing them a little bit easier, and yet also at the same time a tad, a tad bit more daunting, because while I'm giving, I feel like I'm updating Bobby's voice. Uh, I still want to stick true to Clint's really established voice and character. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because he he does. I mean, like he he's sort of been the same for a long time. He's kind of he ash. He's 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 not. He like he respects uh, Steve Rogers, but he's not Steve Rogers. You know, it's yeah. it's just it's that slightly different um, bravado he's got, and sort of almost all. I think of him almost like a little bit of a dumb jock, but like the lovable kind. Yeah, but I I seem like almost as Sawyer. Lost. Yeah, yeah, th- so, I can see that. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but um, I, what's fun is in the series, I kind of wanted to update him just a little bit or grow him up a little bit after everything that he's gone through. I think that makes sense. Um, and so that brashness, you're going to see more from Mockingbird, and now Clint is in kind of this settled. Uh, or, or at least stable place, and and he's the one who's got his head screwed on straight. And how does he deal with that when when you're in a room and you're the sanest person in the room? Now, just sort of move it. I mean, you uh, you've been at Marvel for a while. You know how everything works. You're behind the scenes, and you've had a chance to work with you know a lot of the writers and creators there and stuff like that. So, how does that? I guess how does how did that affect sort of the way that you're working on it now that you're on sort of the other side of the writer's desk? And that you know a lot of other writers, they don't they haven't spent a lot of time there. They haven't, you know they don't they don't, they don't know a lot of the other writers. They just you know are, are writing stories and talking to an editor. How has that helped you, or or you know how does that affect your work? I well, it's definitely helped me. My my career at Marvel has helped me learn firsthand how a comic is made. First of all which I think anybody who wants to work in this industry should study every aspect of how a comic is made from um, uh, where pages go. You know, just some people don't even realize that the odd pages are on the right-hand side, you know, like when writing. So, you know, just learning every aspect from writing all the way through printing, I've, I've been a part of in one form or another. uh, I mean, I, got the chance to even like edit some of the stuff that trades put out, uh, some of the sketchbooks and stuff like that. So I understood the production process. Um, I got to take part in the, I was very lucky to take part in the creative retreats. Um, so that was amazing to sit in a room with people like Brian Bendis and Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker and Jeff Loeb and Dan Slott and Jonathan Hickman and everybody who else I'm leaving out. I'm sorry. Uh, all those people plus the editors plus Joe Q and just bouncing ideas off of each other. And, you know, 
seeing what works, what doesn't work. Uh, Tom Brevoort also has been a huge help over a great well, over the past year and a half since I started writing this, as have all of the editors that I've worked with. Um, they've really, really been patient and because I am, I'm transitioning from being in the office full time to now being a consultant. I'm only in there part time and writing a lot more. So, which I'm incredibly thankful for and dream come true. But at the same time, it's like it's brand new all over again because I'm like, okay, well, I know how these guys do it. I know how these guys do it. What do I do? Where, where, does, where, where do I fit in? So, you know, I've studied people's scripts. I've, I, I, I know how other people do things and I'm finding what the best way is for me, which I think is what everybody should do as well. You know, don't necessarily emulate your idols, but find how they work and make it your own. Is it? Did I answer that? No, you totally did. Is it okay. weird, is like? Is it weird being at the retreats and things like that now in a different position? I mean, because before, you know, you weren't necessarily generating or expected to have anything to do with it creatively. I assume. Well, uh, no, um, I actually did. A, I I haven't gone to the retreats mm-hmm. since I went to be consultant because um, it's I haven't worked my way up. Mm-hmm. You know, like since I, I I'm I'm a new writer, right? So it would be unfair for just because I'm kind of on staff to be able to go to the retreats. Prior to that, I did get to throw around ideas. It was really freaking awesome and fun. Um, and I miss it. And hopefully one day I'll work my way back up the totem pole, but it's, it, it really is starting over for me. So, uh, so last year and a half or so you have been working on a lot of stuff and, and you know, your, your writing has been ramped up a lot more output, things like that. I'm curious what it is, what what you've learned over that time. Like, you know, if there's even like little things that you that you just didn't know about before that are just commonplace to you now, or just overall things like like what's what's changed for you in your perspective as a writer. Um, trusting your gut um, really really helps because don't be afraid to tell a story. Um, I had a tendency and still kind of do. Uh, I, I'm I'm backing off a bit of it, but. Um, I would have a tendency to get an assignment and be like, Oh my God. All right. I'm going to throw everything into this and it's going to be amazing. Every single character, all of these plot twists, nobody's going to see that coming. No one's going to see this coming, but where's the story in that? So that was a really, really strong lesson, uh, to learn. And Jean Schaefer and Tom Brevoort really drilled that into my head. Uh, with Hawkeye and Mockingbird, and or with New Avengers: The Reunion, rather, um, which I was able to draw upon a lot of the soap writing background for that, because that's all about relationships. And so, while on the surface there was this ticking time bomb in Spain, it's really about their relationship. So, I, I, I'm learning to like peel those layers back and just write a spine of the story. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the make sure that your spine is strong, and then put the muscle and maybe a little bit of belly fat on it, um, if that makes sense. What's your What's your your process with that stuff? Right? Do you plot things out first, or do you? Um... Yeah, I um, I have in my I, 
constantly write, write everything down. You have no idea when the next inspiration is going to hit or where it's going to come from. So I keep, I keep a pen in my pocket at all times. Um, and uh, I usually write for this one. I have a moleskin that I write in, but I'll, I'll write like on a little scrap of paper if I'm out somewhere and tuck it in my pocket and then transfer it over to the moleskin, uh, when I get home. But, um, and I'll, I'll, I've been known to be in a movie theater and just try and not disrupt anybody by using the light from my cell phone to write on the inside of the popcorn bag <laughs> and tear and tear that off. Uh, so, you, you know, know, you know, the iPhone has a notes function you could use. I know, but then the light is really bright and everybody thinks I'm texting and that's, that's just rude. That does make you an asshole. It really does. Okay. So fair enough. <laughs> um, so I, I prefer to go low tech. You know, I would just draw, do cave drawings, but I've also written on my hand and my arm if I couldn't get to it. But um, I have—I just write everything down um, as it comes to me, and then um, I figure out, all right, well, where will that fit, or will it? Um, sometimes, I mean, I've, that notebook is full of like, oh my god, what if this, or what if that, and then you realize it doesn't fit in this story because you start to plot it out. Um, you kind of take a look at, all right, what's my six issue or whatever arc is. And for this, this is my first ongoing. So I'm doing this differently. Everything else has been a one shot or a mini series. That's been, that's been easier because you have X number of pages to tell a finite amount of story Mm -hmm. for this. I'm approaching it differently. Um, I am, I'm coming at it where, I mean, I'm not writing for the trade, um, which I don't think a lot of people are anymore. If you take a look at a lot of people's runs, like Fractions Iron Man and what uh, Brian's done on New Avengers, um, and especially like Ed on Cap. Yeah. Um, they're, writing, they're, just, they're writing for the omnibus. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> so that's what I'm writing for, is the $100 omnibus. No, um, they're writing a, a long-form story. And so... When I they said, all right, well, what is your story going to be? I laid it out um, as far as the overall themes. And then I had a couple of ideas of, all right, well, here's an arc. Here's an idea for an arc. But everything's going to kind of lead and flow into each other. You can still pick up the book. You know, if the first issue sells out, you can come in with issue two. Um, just make sure you come in. Um, but... I'm planting seeds in the first three issues that is stuff that I can play with for the next two years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll, I'll throw in a little line of dialogue because I know that I want to do something with this group of characters or I want to build on this corner over here. So let's see that it's starting to build. Um, even though, but without, without taking away from the core story that I'm, that you're trying to tell. Uh, so, you know, I did the overall pitch, um, and then we're like, all right, what's your first arc going to be? So I turned in a really, really long, uh, pitch document. Don't do that. That is my advice. Do not turn in a 20 page pitch for your first arc. Because I also turned in like everything that the book is going to be. Here's a bio on every character and everything. Um, it's great that you know that your editor just wants to know what your story is. Uh, and so then I went back to ground and did, um, about a two to three page 
uh, arc outline. And uh, then now for each issue, I do like a one to two page um, or one to two or two to three paragraph. Sorry. I do about a two to three paragraph outline for what's going to happen. You know, like this scene is going to take this many pages. This will take this many. And um, and then I'll break that out even further for myself. Um, you know, what happens? It'll be like a, a general thing, like Hawkeye and Mockingbird come across these thugs then the next scene, uh, discuss what, uh, what, what came about. And so I've got the, them coming across the thugs. So I'll break that up even more with, you know, well, what do they do? Do they fight? Who gets the upper hand? Who gets the last shot? Um, and then once that's all done, I, I go to script. I'm constantly also though, I find myself writing, um, dialogue bits mm-hmm. and, because I like to work that way. Um, I, dialogue comes a little bit faster to me than uh, the panel descriptions and sometimes even more so than the, the overall outline. I'll think, oh my God, I'll, I'll write an exchange between two people and because I hear their voices and I'll write that and then I'll be like, okay, that's what this scene is. And then plot can come from that. I found that with yes. this stuff. When I get stuck, I just like, I just let them talk for a little while and all of a sudden you have something that you didn't have before, which is always neat. Oh yeah. I love it when you get surprises. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and then I turn in the script and then David Lopez makes it something that people would want to buy. <laughs> um, I guess so for you what's sort of the what's sort of the hardest part of scripting then like when you're actually just writing it out sound effects I freaking hate <laughs> hate hate coming up with sound effects and I I feel like people are going to get sick of the sounds twang um and uh <laughs> let's see shunk is an arrow going into something and funk is uh Bobby's bow staff okay. so I have three down the rest like and I, I cannot stand writing those and it's stupid that it stops me but it can literally stop me in my tracks um you can't just default there like leave it to the letter whatever you think is good that's fine i, I don't know why i can't <laughs> um that came off more pathetic than it no it no one's ever given me that answer pathetic. that's a good answer so yeah i hate that um i also i tweeted this the other day um, and you might get this every once in a while, I'll sit down to write and feel like I have completely forgotten how to write. <laughs> like, I'm just like, what are words? Why? What is, what A S D F G? What, what is this keyboard thing? Um, and, but then you just, I just, I just kind of get into a flow and then you hit that spot and you're like, yes, I'm on a roll. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, overcoming that initial, which I think everybody has. People will refer to it as writer's block. I think it's just more like an idle car. Mm-hmm. Just put your foot on the gas and go. Yeah. So you're you're sort of more of the mind to you get there. It's time to write. You're gonna push through and just hope something comes out rather than well, I'll walk around. I'll walk around and forget about this for now. Um, I I will do both. I will write a scene. And then I will reward myself with a five-minute walk around the apartment, mm-hmm. maybe a little snack, a um, little 100-calorie snack pack. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love the fudge stripe. Uh, <laughs> I really like the Reese's ones and the 
Hershey's chocolate ones. I found that the Lorna Dunes shortbread cookies are much better than you would think at the 100-calorie uh, snack pack. And this episode of Talk Explode has been brought to you by Nabisco. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> oh, if man. anyone's listening, that's totally fine. <laughs> if anyone is still listening, thanks for still listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, just uh, while I got you here, talk to me a little bit about uh, – you've got another book coming out from Archaea. Yes. Uh, with what I think is a fantastic title. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's uh, The Return of the Dapper Men. Um, and it is uh, an original graphic novel. It's my first creator-owned thing. Uh, it's from Janet Lee and I. Janet is an amazing gallery artist uh, who came up with her own style of art when her son was two years old, uh, about six or seven years ago. Uh, she said she wanted to make two-year-old art that was two-year-old proof. Um, and so she had started, she does this incredible layered technique where she'll paint the background and then every single layer that you see, like the, the trees or the buildings is one layer that she has colored and inked and then she will cut out with scissors and then she does the figures and does that and then she just glues the hell out of it and shellacks it, and there it is. Oh, and she doesn't use artboard. She uses wood that she goes to Lowe's. She buys it, goes down to her power saw in her basement, and cuts it to trim size. Huh. So it's <laughs> honestly the most unique way I've ever seen anybody work. Yeah. Um, it is. It gives for a really awesome uh, look. And this is the first time that she's doing sequentials and that she's doing stuff for print like this. And so we're, we're really looking into the best way to scan that to make sure that the, uh, the texture comes across. Because um, you literally – every page is its own piece of hanging art. Um, and I mean, you could walk through this book. It's beautiful. Uh, so we're really trying to pay attention to that. But the story itself is something that was inspired by – three different pieces of art that she had done. I went to her house. Um, she lives in Nashville, Tennessee, where I'm from. And she lives just down the street from where I used to live in Nashville. Uh, and I, I always go to visit her. Um, we've been friends for years and years, like I said. And I walked in and um, I saw this new piece she had done. And it is, I want to say it's about six feet tall because it's on a door. Um, and it was, it was, it, she had titled it Raining Men. And it's these very dapper looking gentlemen coming down into a Victorian uh, landscape. And uh, she was like, Yeah, I haven't really found a buyer for it. Uh, it's really hard to transport around, but I just, I kind of love it. I was like, I more than kind of love it. Um, and then I was going through her house, and her house has her art everywhere because she does stuff for different art galleries and then just for friends and all that. And three different things popped out into my head. One was just a tiny painting of a robot girl. And another was um, a Christmas ornament of this steampunk looking kid. The story was inspired by all three of those. Um, I couldn't get them out of my head and they fit perfectly in my twisted mind um, as kind of a modern fairy tale. Uh, I went back and read – I just realized I'm saying uh all the time. It's getting on my nerves. Um, so sorry. 
I went back and reread the original source material, the books of Peter Pan and Through the Looking Glass and Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales. And those things weren't written the way uh, the cartoons are presented. No. They're very much, they're, they're written for adults to read to kids, but so that adults can get something out of it. And sometimes adults might not even want to read the original materials to kids. Um, so I wanted to write something in that vein. I wanted to do my take on a fairy tale with these characters. Um, and so I started looking into different things, um, like, um, clockwork universe theory. Um, because I had this thought that time has been stuck at this one particular moment in time. And for a a long, long, long amount of time, so long that everyone has forgotten that there is even a thing such as time. Uh, children have not grown up because no one's been around to tell them to go to bed was the first thought that popped into my head. Um, and I didn't mean for that to rhyme just now. <laughs> um, and that uh, the catalyst for change is these 314 dapper men come raining down from the sky. Hallelujah. And right. set off, yes, uh, the weather, the weathermen approve. Uh, two big, two large black ladies singing um, are also seen in the background. Um, um, so they, and they set off in various directions. And we follow one in particular as well as our two main characters, which are Aiden and Zoe. Uh, Aiden is a human boy and Zoe is a robot girl. And we kind of get um, uh, glimpses of what is the true story behind everything that's going on. Why did everything stop? Which came, which came first? The robots, the humans, who made what? Um, who made the universe? And uh, what does it mean to have to move forward. And honestly, what does it mean to have to grow up? So it is a little bit of, there's a, there's a bit of Peter Pan in there too. So it's kind of, kind of got all of those elements in it. And then Janet's amazing art. When, when are you looking at, I mean, imagine that takes quite a while to produce. Um, we're looking at October of oh. this year. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm working on that at the same time that I'm working on Hawkeye Mockingbird. Um, and, uh, Janet is plugging away. I called her the other day and we went over uh, the page and I said, you know, when I pitched that this was going to be 314 dapper men coming down from the sky, you remember that that means you're going to have to at one point draw 314 <laughs> dapper men coming down. And so uh, she cursed me for a while and now I think that's what she's working on at the moment. Couldn't it be 17, you asshole? I know. Why did you have to pick such a high number? Three. Three men um, and a dog come raining down from the sky. That's a bad joke. Um, so I don't even know what the joke would be. Um, yeah, so she, uh, it, it does take um, a while, but what's insanely crazy, when you see Janet's art, it's beautiful and like I said, it's so detailed because she has to hand cut everything out with scissors. She actually did um, a step-by-step on Twitter. Um, she's at Janet underscore K underscore Lee. Um, and you can watch how she does her process. She knocks this stuff out, though. I mean, she can do a fully 
painted piece, uh, like one whole page in about a day and a half. And I'm like, how, what? Then I throw her things like, hey, draw 314 people. And that is obviously going to take her a little bit longer. But, you know, I mean, she's she's really finding a great rhythm. It's it's amazing to watch this woman who has done paintings, you know, single image. Maybe she'll do a collection of, you know, three um, similar images to hang in the gallery. Um, she also did Alice's ABCs. She has this great set of um, – this was before the – uh, movie that just came out. It'll have just come out when you guys hear this. It comes out. It comes out today. If anybody's wondering when we taped this, um, <laughs> but uh, behind the scenes, through the it, looking glass, as uh, it were, it is. Uh, she had done a few things that had the same theme, but she had never done sequentials. And to see a sequential artist emerge from a gallery artist has just been amazing to watch too. So I'm really, really excited about this. It's. It sounds like uh, I, nothing else I've heard of. Yeah, that's what I was kind of going for. Well, I guess I wanted work. something that I couldn't do at Marvel. Honestly, like something that, that that is totally radically a departure from what I normally do. Well, then, well done. Why, thank you. So, uh, wrapping up, I guess is there. Is there anything else going on? It sounds like you got your plate's pretty full with all uh, that business. Yeah, got that. I uh, getting my chance to. Right, my girl, Dazzler, um, here in May, uh, will, there will be a one-shot by myself and uh, Kalman Endersofsky. And Kalman, you're listening, and I'm sorry I butchered your last name. Um, and also there is a backup story uh, that – or not a backup because it's, uh, it, it's more like part two of that, uh, of that same story. But uh, that is by Francesca, and I'm going to butcher her last name too, but it's Siragia? Siragia? Probably Siragia. She's Italian, so. Uh, what the hell of the American artist? We didn't use that problem. <laughs> um, Kalman is Canadian. Oh, I guess that's close enough. You know, I mean. That was faux xenophobia. I don't mean it. <laughs> it's true. People are now looking up xenophobia, and they're in the wrong part of the dictionary. It starts with an X. <laughs> um, so, uh, no, I'm not going to insult the reader, the, your listeners like that. They know what it is. They know you're a Oh, they're well-read. They're, they they're, well they're, they're a stellar group. These they people. are. And I love them. I love you guys. Yay. And hi, Graphically people. I think <laughs> this is my first time talking to you guys since uh, Graphically came along. So, hi, new people. Um, or actually, I'm the new person uh, to yeah. you. Uh, so yeah, I've got, uh, I've got the Dazzler one shot, which is coming out of Necrotia. Um, and, uh, it, it follows up events that happened in that, uh, with her very, very, very evil sister, half sister, uh, Mortis, Lois London. Um, but this is my chance to get, uh, this is my shot at, uh, at showing why I think Dazzler's so freaking cool. So hopefully that's... That comes across. So you've done you're you're doing Hawkeye, Mockingbird, and Dazzler. So those are all your favorite Marvel characters, as, as I understand it. Yes. What are you going to do going forward? Is there any is there anybody else who you really have, have <laughs> lo- love to have your eye on sometime in the future? Is uh, a there, good closing uh, question, I think. There are. Um, unfortunately, none of them would be able to sell a book on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the world is screaming for a gargoyle book. Um, <laughs> but I love him. Um, 
So I've actually been trying to come up with a couple of different pitches that take my love of B and C list characters um, and team them up with Wolverine. And no, um, <laughs> that's how you sell books. That's a yeah, move no, product. So no, I, there, there are a bunch of characters that I would that that are still. I'm dying to write. I'm really hoping to get my hands on one day. But for right now, I have it's it's kind of like you know how you want that Lorna Dune hundred calorie snack pack, but you're already at a really nice steak place, mm-hmm. and there comes your steak, and you just want to savor that for a while. I'm going to savor this for quite a while. That's a fine I, answer. Thank you. Well, I think uh, I think that's about it. Where can uh, where can folks find you on the uh, internet? Because that's where people exist. It's true. Digitally, you can find me uh, at uh, Jim McCann. That's J I M M C C A N N. Yes, it feels like your finger is stuttering when you type my name um, on Twitter. Then also Jim McCann on Facebook. Uh, Mine is not the 1-800-Flowers-Guy. Mine has a picture of a dapper man, frankly, or curiously enough. Um, And then I've got a message board over on jinxworld.com, which is uh, where Brian Michael Bendis has his board and a number of other great creators have message boards hosted there. Cool. So there you go. Follow me, friend me, message me, buy my books. Be my friend. <laughs> love me. That's what it's all about. I love me. Just love me. Do we have to end on such a whining note? <laughs> it was it was a plaintive cry for human uh, connection, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is true. That's what we're all that. looking for at the end of the day. All righty. All right. And, and hot purple tight bow and arrow action. Hell yeah. <laughs> and, and some black and white bow staff action. Battle staves. That would be Mockingbird. I heard your silence. <laughs> no, it was. I was waiting to finish. That's <laughs> oh, okay. what a good interviewer does. Oh, uh, thank you much, Jim. Thank you, Josh. And good luck with these titles. Why, thank I you. I am very excited. Yeah, Josh, uh, are you going to admit anywhere in here of your man love of Hawkeye? I. It's He's my favorite Mar- Marvel character. He's probably my favorite comic book character. Oh, so no pressure for me then. Yeah, so, I know. Well, the thing concern. is, is now I've talked to you a lot. I know you. I, I, I don't know how I can judge this in any way. So, uh, just do a really good job, and then we'll be fine. Excellent. Otherwise, this was the last time Josh ever spoke to me. <laughs> just we won't talk about it. Otherwise, but no, I'm uh, not. I'm not putting that on you. You, if you love it, then we. I. It's not like you haven't written it before. We're good. All right. I want to thank Jim for talking to us about the upcoming Hawkeye and Mockingbird number one. It is my favorite character, and I wish him nothing but luck. And that is a little selfish, I suppose, in a certain way. Get over to ifanboy.com. You can talk about this podcast and all sorts of other stuff that's going on there. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.